Can I have the dads, the fathers stand up today and we can bless them? Come on, gentlemen, stand up. Please, let's give them a big hand. Let me pray a blessing upon you. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for the honor and the responsibility of being a dad. Anybody can have a child. But being a dad is something extremely special. We copy you. You're the father of fathers. We imitate you in front of our children. And when we mess up, we ask their forgiveness. And I thank you, Father, for each and every one of these gentlemen today. And I pray a special blessing upon them on this Father's Day. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Go ahead and give them a big hand. Amen. You might have seen it when you walked in. We have our Father's Day photo booth out there. Please avail yourself of it. We put this out for all the special occasions that you can be blessed by that. Amen? Take those pictures with you on and on. Just an FYI, there will be no prayer after second service today because of Father's Day. Amen? God is good? So last week we showed off our, our uh, T-shirt for the uh, church anniversary and we made it through both services. So all we have left now is small, medium, and large. So if you weren't here last week and you're small, medium, and large, they're out there. They're kind of cool. Grab one for yourself, for your children. And also we, have, we put all of our looking up T-shirts and sweatshirts out there. Just having a big blowout special today. If you want to avail yourself of them, happy Father's Day. Amen. God is good. I'm looking forward to Friday night. We got lots of special guests coming in from out of state. I have two families coming in our house from out of state. Oh, Diane, it's going to be a wonderful time now. <laughs> Al and Mary are coming, and Deb and Keith are coming. It's going to be awesome. Going to be awesome. You ready to get into the Word today? That was enthusiastic, yes. <laughs> yes. Are you ready to get into the Word today? Yes. Amen. Father, we do bless you. And thank you again that you are the Father of fathers, and it's a joy to serve you. It's a joy to live for you. It's a joy to act like you. You said to imitate God. That's exactly what you told us to do. How are we to live in this life? Imitate God. What would God do? Like the wristbands we used to wear, what would Jesus do? What would my father do? And I thank you today, Father, for this guidance, your love, your direction. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Today, I entitled this message, Abraham, a Godly Inheritance. One thing I desire in my life, and I know many of you do also, and I know you're aiming towards it, is to leave a legacy, to leave a legacy, not just of wealth, and there's nothing wrong with that. We should be able to bless our children, children. That's what the Word of God tells us. But to leave a legacy of our hearts. Can I get an Amen. To leave a legacy of our passion for God. To leave a legacy of knowing Jesus Christ as our Savior and then passing that on to our children and our grandchildren. Can I get an amen? Let me share with you a few Father's Day quotes as we start off. Some of these are so sweet. Being a good dad starts with being a good man. That's very good. Amen. 
Of all the gifts a dad can give his kids, maybe the best one of all is a good example to follow. Boy, getting quiet in this church today. Man, I thought you'd be hallelujahing me. Being a dad isn't easy, but when somebody does it right, it reminds the rest of us what a world-changing difference a good dad can make. World-changing, world-changing. The best gift a man can give to the world is to be a good father. Let's chew on that one, amen? A father is the perfect blend of superhero, coach, and friend. A strong father means a strong family. I agree with that. Happy, confident, grateful daughters come from strong, encouraging, and loving dads. And the last one. And so God created dads so that there would forever be bedtime story readers and cover tuckers, shoulder carriers at parades and star pointers on clear nights, bike riding coaches and driving instructors, love providers and proud protectors, and he saw that it was good. Amen? Amen, amen. So let's continue on in our teaching of Right place, right time, as we get into this Father's Day message. Real quickly, I'm just going to go through the foundation scripture. Ecclesiastes 9.11 NLT. I have observed something else under the sun. The fastest runner doesn't always win the race. And the strongest warrior, can we put that up on the screen, please? And the strongest warrior doesn't always win the battle. The wise sometimes go hungry, and the skillful are not necessarily wealthy. And those who are educated don't always lead successful lives. Anyway, follow me. It is all decided by chance by being in the... Psalm 20, 37, the steps of a good man are... And he delights in his way. And we talked about that. God delights in our way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Come on, you know it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. And then Psalm 25, 4 in the NLT. I love this verse. Show me the right path. I've been praying this verse for things in, excuse me, things in my life. Show me the right path, O oh Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. And I don't want like the scarecrow, amen? I want it pointed out. This Father's Day, as we continue our series of right places, right time, I want us to look at Abraham. Everybody write his name down, Abraham. Abraham is a very special name given to him. The last two weeks, we looked at David. You remember what the name was that he got? He was a man after. Abraham was called a friend of God. Think about that. Chew on that one, amen? Let me give you a couple scriptures. Would you turn with me to Isaiah 41.8? Isaiah 41.8. Here you go, Brandy. Isaiah 41.8 says, But you, Israel, you are my servant, Jacob, who I have chosen, the descendant of Abraham, my friend. 
Come on, how many want that? Amen? Now, Jesus said, no longer do I call you servant. I don't call you a servant anymore. I call you a friend. Amen? So we have that under the new covenant. But this is an old covenant man. And God is saying, you're a friend of God. Amen? We also find this in other places. And when you see it more than once, God is trying to emphasize it. You can write this down. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 7. Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to your descendant of Abraham, your friend forever? And that's important. I'm going to show you in a few minutes why that's so important. Then in James chapter 2 and verse 23, it says, And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. That's where we come in, right here. Understand that. Our righteousness is not based upon our performance. We're going to be talking about that next month. Our righteousness is based upon our position. What is our position? In him. In him. You got to get that. If you don't get that, Christianity will always be just blah, whatever. I make a mistake, God smacks me on and on. But when you understand that you are today the very righteousness of God, just as Jesus is, you walk around a different person. And I don't mean up here. It's got to get in here. It's got to get when you mess up, you fess up, and then you just accept his righteousness. Amen? It's a position that God has given us because of what Jesus Christ has done. Church family, there is a vast difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament is a dispensation of law. We are under grace. God is long-suffering, desiring that no man perish, but all be saved and come to the full knowledge of the truth. You don't see that in the Old Testament. You see harshness in the Old Testament. But I believe with all my heart, there were certain people that understood the heart of God. David, he knew how to lean on God after he committed adultery, murder, lying, covetous, all that. What did he do? He leaned on God's mercy, amen? God, don't give me justice right now. Give me mercy, amen? And Christians pray that nowadays. We shouldn't pray that nowadays because we are totally under mercy nowadays, amen? His mercies aren't new each morning. His mercies are new every second for us born-again Christians, amen? Amen? I hope you get that. I hope in all the years, the 30 years of me sharing this, we get it in our heart that God is for us not against us. He's not looking for us to trip up. He's looking to bless us, help us, guide us. Another person that understood this was Abraham when he stood and made intercession for Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah was wicked as can be, and yet he prayed it down from 50, 40, 30, 20, and he stopped at 10. And God still got Lot out of Sodom and Gomorrah the same way God's going to get us out of here in the great hapazo, amen, the rapture of the church, amen. And then the last part of that, James, what does it say? He was called the friend of God. Come on, say that with me. I am called a friend of God. So we see that Abraham trusts in God, and this gave him the amazing title of being called a friend of God. That's all he did. And that's why the scripture, and we'll see it in, in July, that's why the scripture brings out David said, 
Blessed is he whose sins the Lord will not hold against him. What was he doing? He's looking forward. Ezekiel was looking forward. I'm going to give them a new spirit. I'm going to take out that stony spirit and I'm going to put in a soft spirit, pliable, the Holy Spirit. The Thompson Chain Reference Bible, again, I love the Thompson Chain. It says this, the study of the life of Abraham is of great importance because he was chosen by God to become the father of a new spiritual race. Religious seeds were planted in the garden of his heart from which were to spring wonderful results in the church of the future. That's us. He was the leader of a great spiritual army. Can I get an amen? I want to show you one of the most amazing promises given to Abraham. And I'll repeat it as we go on, but I want you to see this in its setting. Turn, turn to Genesis 12, 3. And you're going to understand why when Mark Twain walked into Jerusalem in Israel, he called it the most wasted of lands that nothing but thistles can grow now. But you look at Israel today, they're one of the most prosperous lands on planet Earth. Once the Jews came in on May 14, 1948, everything changed. The gardens blossomed. The blessing of God came back on that land. And woe, listen to me, woe to the nation that tries to split Jerusalem. You study it out. Everyone that tried to do it, judgment came against them immediately. Wise up, Mr. Biden. Look what it says here. Genesis 12, 3. Come on, say it with me. Ready? I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. Now watch. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. The Jewish people have had more inventions, more things that have set people free. Right now, Germany, Holocaust, remember that? Right now, Germany is buying Patriot missiles from Israel. Germany is buying tanks from Israel. Can you imagine this? 50, 60 years ago, Germany was killing the Jews, and look how God has turned this around. Israel supplies all the fruit, the, the majority of the fruit and the majority of flowers to all of Europe. It's amazing what God, we are, we, our generation is beholding the greatest miracle of all times. And yet we go, oh, is God doing anything today? <laughs> now look at this for us today. You ready? Go to Galatians 3.13. Galatians 3.13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Say hallelujah with me, amen. And if you want to know what the curse of the law is, go to Deuteronomy chapter 28, and you're going to read some curses, right? Having become a curse for us, how can he redeem us from the curse? Remember, see, many people think God does things in the Old Testament. If you study it out, you'll notice that, and Young's uh, a concordance brings it out. It's in the permissive sense, not the causative sense. God isn't causing it, but he has to permit it because of the fall that's on the earth. But here we see what God truly wanted. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. How? For it is written, cursed is everyone 
that hangs on the tree, on the, on the, on the cross. We see that under Joshua. You remember when Joshua defeated the five kings and he said, hang them on the tree? But before the end of the day, he said, take their bodies down because they're a curse and we don't want a curse on our land. Jesus' body was taken down. It wasn't thrown into a pit. It was put inside a rich man's grave. Amen? Keep going on. Watch what it says. Verse 14. Come on, say it with me. That the blessings of Abraham might come upon I'm a Gentile. How about you? So what does it say? The blessings of Abraham are mine. Amen? That we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Go down to verse 29. And if you are Christ, look at the way the Bible puts our oneness, our togetherness with Christ. Think about it. The Bible says when a man and a woman get married, they become one. And we talked about that last week. That's why premarital sex is a curse. Don't mess with it. Receive what the Bible says. Amen? Here's a man and a woman. They make a covenant before God. They become one flesh. Look what it says here. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heir according to the promise. I'm an heir of God. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You know what that means? Everything Jesus gets, we get. Yeah, I know. Oh, really? You know, someday just go to an area where you can see the stars, if you know what I'm trying to say. They call them dark spots in our world where the stars are just brilliant. The Milky Way is showing. And that's just one galaxy. And the length of that galaxy takes you 100,000 years to get across at the speed of light. Wow. That's just one galaxy. And there are billions of galaxies. And billions and billions of hundreds of billions of stars in each galaxy. And we are heirs of the one, join heirs with the one who controls all of that. That's why I say the suffering of this present age is not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. That we have a right to fight. Christians, we have lost the onward Christian soldiers marching to the battle. We've gotten into this, oh, life is supposed to be sweet. No, not this life ain't supposed to be sweet. This life is a battle. Fight the good fight of faith. Put on the armor of God. That's a little different than... I love you, you love me. We're just a happy family. Intercession sometimes will rip at your insides. And God is trying to get you to pray for your children and intercede to get them on that right path. Anyway, let's keep going on. Again, God shows us what we're going to see, these Old Testament stories, so that we have an understanding of examples of what's going on. Again, we see that in 1 Corinthians 10, 11, the NLT. These things happened to them as examples for us that they were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. Amen. Well, I don't believe we're the end of the age. Well, we're closer than the last generation. If this isn't it, then we'll go on. But the way this world is going... People taking their clothes off at our White House. What a mockery. I have no, no respect whatsoever for this administration. I'll pray for them. I'll pray that they get saved and they repent of their sins. To see what we saw. 
to say that these are the, the strongest, bravest people this world has. What about my soldiers? What about the police department? What about first responders? What about firemen and firewomen? What about teachers and others? This man has lost his mind, I'm telling you. Or he's just playing with a playbook, if you know what I'm saying. Anyway, let's continue on. Would you turn with me to Joshua chapter 24? Oh, my. While living with his father, Tehran and Haran, his father served other gods. Watch this. This is important to understand. It is said that he lived in a family of idol makers. Watch what it says here in Joshua 24, verse 2. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham, the father of Nahar, they dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. Then I took your father, Abraham, from the other side of the river. I led him throughout the land of Canaan. I multiplied his descendants and gave him Isaac. Right place, right time, right? But Abraham received a message from the Lord calling on him to separate himself from his family and his old associates. I started smoking pot when I was about 12 years old. That lasted to 17 years old. I got saved right around 17 and a half, and I knew what I had to do. I had to separate myself from all my party friends. They would come to my house. Come on, come on. Hey, I, I just can't do it anymore, guys. That man's dead. And just like Abraham, you have to sometimes cut bait. Well, they're my friends. That's great. But if they're pulling you down, you better watch yourself. Birds of a feather. Amen. And I didn't want to be a pothead anymore. God delivered me. Amen. And thank God for that. And he told him to go forth into a new country. He was promised, look what he was promised, divine favor, a great future, a future generation, and that he would become a blessing to all the families of the earth. He obeyed the call of God and thus became the leader of an innumerable pilgrims who are looking for a city whose architect and builder is God. That's you and that's me. We all have a home that we live in, but I'm looking for a home that God built. For me specifically, amen? So let's pick up his story. Go to Genesis 12 and let's just go through it now. Y'all good today? All right, Genesis 12, 1. Now the Lord said to Abraham, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless you. I will, I will bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed. Write this down, church family. To obey is better than sacrifice. To obey God's call. He's doing it at 75 years old. 
Listen, church family, you didn't hop in your Honda or whatever car you got and drive away. He is leaving the security of his family, the clan, and now going off just with him, his wife, Lot, and his people there. That took a step of faith, right? Now hold your place there. Go over to Hebrews chapter 11. Let's look at how the hall of faith talks about this man. You got to respect this guy for what he did. Got to respect him. You know, we just think, uh, you know, well, you know, I just got a letter this morning on my desk from a, a sister that just moved to Texas from our church saying how much she missed the church on and on. But a little different moving today than it was back then. There were robbers all over the place that could have just got rid of them like that. Watch what it says here about Abraham. By faith, this is verse 8, 11, 8. Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, look, look, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Look, read, in fact, read verse 10. This is so good. For he waited, come on. For he waited for the city which has foundation, whose builder and maker is God. That's the city I'm waiting for. They can have my house. They can burn it all. They can have the cars. They can have all the junk in the closets too, if you know what I'm saying. Boy, do we got stuff nowadays. <laughs> we got so much stuff, we got to buy storage place to store even more stuff. Right? But in this story, there's something else I want us to see on this Father's Day that I believe shows us why God chose him out of all the people of that time. This story is found in the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Would you turn with me to Genesis chapter 18? You remember the angels? And we're going to actually take a month. I think it's September. And I'm going to teach on angels. It's a subject that we don't go over very often. Because I believe angels want to move. But we got to get an understanding of how they move. Come on, talk to me, church family. In Genesis 18, 16, the three angels, one believed one of them was an Old Testament appearance of Jesus Christ. They came to Abraham, and then they make this statement. Watch verse 16. Then the men rose from there. They looked towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to send them on their way. And the Lord said, what was Abraham called again? Friend of God. What do friends do? They share. They share. They talk. Look, look. And the Lord says, shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? What's he going to do? He's going to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. And you want to know where Sodom and Gomorrah is today? Where the Dead Sea is. The lowest water on planet Earth. Nothing lives in the Dead Sea. Nothing until Jesus comes back. Then he says he's going to split it open, the, the mountain and fresh water is going to pour in, and it won't be dead no more. Amen? 18, look what it says. Since Abraham...
Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation. And all the nations of the earth shall be blessed from him. Watch, ready? For I have known him. I want God to see that consistency in me, that he has known me, that he sees me when I wake up in the morning, sees me after the afternoon. Come on, I know God sees everything. Sees my passion. Sees my heart. For I have known him. What, was, what did God look for in this guy? Ready? In order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteous and righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he had spoken to him. How sad it is to see a person on fire for God and then end at that generation. Here he's saying the reason Abraham is blessed is because God knew that he would keep the lineage going. God saw in Abraham not just a man that would obey him, but one that would raise his children to seek the Lord. It's great that we were in the right place at the right time, but what about our children? Home and church is where they will have experiences with God on their level. Boy, that's the weakest amen for some powerful preaching right there, church family. Church and home is where they should be experiencing Almighty God. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. Yeah, but, you know, I, I trained them. If you train them right, they're coming back. But if you're one of those that say, I'm tired today, let's, let's not go to church today. Don't remember that. Don't remember that. Let's skip devotion. Don't remember that. And if you've done it, repent and then ask them to forgive you. Train them when they're young. And as they get older, even with all that's going on in our world, God will give them the grace that they need. Our children are living in an upside down world. Right is evil. Evil is right. Black is white. White is black. On and on. They need some stability. They're not going to find it from their iPhones or their Androids. They're not going to find it from the TV shows that are gone. They're going to find it from their parents and their grandparents. Yeah. Romans 5.20 says, But where sin abounds, grace abounded much more. Look at just a few scriptures. Let me just rattle these off to you. But jot them down to look them up. Isaiah 38.19. The living... The living man, he shall praise you as I do this day. The Father shall make known your truth to the children. Psalm 78, what a powerful psalm. Listen to this. This is the NLT. Look up on the screen. Oh, my people, listen to my instruction. Open your ears to what I am saying. For I speak to you in parables. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past. Stories we have heard and known. Stories our ancestors have handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. I love 
share it. I'm always with the grandkids. Can I tell you a story? Can I tell you a story? Can I tell you a story? I want them to know what I experienced because I want them to experience it. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power, his mighty wonder. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born, and they in turn will teach their children. So each generation should set its hopes anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commandments. Isn't that beautiful? Now here's one of my favorites, a scripture the Lord put on my heart when I first start, was going to get married and start having children. It's Deuteronomy 6.4. And I've applied this. Let me tell you, I've applied this. And because of that, my children, and I'm believing for every one of my grandchildren, will be walking down streets of gold one day. Amen? Amen. I believe it with all my heart. I believe every one of my grandchildren will be born again. And if the Lord gives me the honor and the privilege to see some great-grandchildren, I can even anoint them also. Amen? Amen. Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your strength, all your soul. Is that beautiful? We had so many people say that, right? And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Not just up here. Here, part of your life. You shall teach them haphazardly to your children. Diligently. We don't let a day go by without doing devotions with the grandkids that, that are with us at this point. We know what our children are doing in North Carolina and New Mexico. We send them books, devotional books, for their children on their level. Make an investment. Better to give them a book that they can learn about the things of God than drinking a Starbucks coffee. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house. That's family devotional time. When you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up, you shall bind them as signs on their hands, and they shall be as frontlets before your, their eyes. You shall write them on doorposts of your house and on your gates. Come on, family. Meet your kids where they're at. Don't go preaching King James to them when they're seven years old. I mean, if you don't know what to do, see Miss Ashley. She'll guide you. She'll help you. We get that little magazine every month, uh, Answers, in Answers in Genesis or something, to hand out. We tell you, get the, the, the Word for You Today devotion or keys, keys for Kids, all these different things. They're short. I'm so busy. You can't give 30 seconds to your children? Then why did you have them? Well, you know, Papa and Mama got together, and yeah, how it goes. Okay. Ephesians 6, 4, NLT, up on the screen. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with discipline and instruct, instruction that comes from the Lord. That's our responsibility. This isn't some little, you know, America makes everything, oh, I got to go on vacation. I got to do this. I got to serve God. I get one chance to do this one. Oh, no, that's it. 
Once this stops breathing, I'm done to receive my rewards or not. As we continue on with right place, right time, let's make sure our children are in their right place and right time. Let it not be said of us what was said of the children of Israel. Look up on the screen. After that generation died, Judges 2.10, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things that he had done for Israel. That's why God told Joshua, set up the rocks right there at the Jordan River so you can remember. So when your children say, what are these rocks doing here? And what are we doing in America? Knocking down statues. That's exactly what Marxism and socialism did in the past for every nation that has been totally destroyed. As I heard one man say the other day, he was so right on, and he said, America is a unique nation where our Constitution has been in force for over 270 years. Most nations average only last 17 years. I was sharing with Brandy in the office the other day when I heard this statement. Benjamin Franklin, at the age of 81 years old, the life expectancy at that time was 37 years old. And they were in Philadelphia, and they were trying to figure out how to get this Constitution. And finally, the guy from Rhode Island said, I'm out of here. And the guy from Virginia said, I'm out of here. And Mr. Franklin stood up, the one that they, and he wasn't a big Christian, but he was still a man that believed in the Word of God. And he stood up, he said, if you guys will remember... What we did to get us here, we had a two-hour prayer meeting. We fasted and sought the Lord, and his blessing were upon us. Shouldn't we do the same thing? That's what our nation was established on. Not idiots on the White House dancing around, taking tops off in front of children. Continue on with me. Verse 11. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. And they served the image of Baal. They abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestor, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods, worshiping the gods of the people around them. And they angered the Lord. They abandoned the Lord to serve Baal. In Judges 17, 6, look that up with me, church family. Ready? Look what it says. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Kind of feel that way about America right now? Everybody did what was right in their own sight. Without the Bible as a standard, without the word of God to divide between right and wrong, Man will always go towards sin. Let me share with you some facts and we'll wrap this up. The American Bible Society puts out its annual report of the state of the Bible. And this is what they found. This is mind-boggling to me, church family. From 2021 to 2022, there has been 25 million people decrease in Bible reading 21 to 22 from 2022 to 2023 there has been now another 
three million for a total of 28 million people, less people reading the Bible in just three years in America. Church family, everything is operating right now at warp speed. Let's not let it happen to our families. Amen. We're the oddballs right now. When Christians and churches were the place that were exalted at one time, we're the oddballs. That's okay. I'd rather be an oddball for Jesus Christ. How about you? Let me close with this scripture. Would turn with me to Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15. This is what I want to say in this generation. Amen? Look, young people that are in here, this is not going to be easy. Anybody that stands up and says, there's going to be a great roar in 2024 and everything is going to turn around. Listen to me, church family. I led you four years ago. I'll lead you now. It is not going to get better. It is going to get worse out there, but it can get a lot better in here. When everybody said, it's all going to turn around, it's all going to straighten up, and I said, no, it's not. You know why I knew it was not? Not because of some prophet, because of the Word of God. When you read the Word of God and what it tells us just before the return of the Lord, we are seeing it. Everything is not falling apart. Everything is falling together according to God's Word. Amen. Amen? But here's what Joshua said, Joshua 24, 15. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Come on, you know it. But as for me and my house. Come on, say it with a little umfa. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Yes, fathers, we have a great responsibility. But with that comes great honor and great rewards. Or, as Uncle Ben said to Peter Parker, or Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. Happy Father's Day. Amen to you guys. To you guys. To you guys. Because you're here today. You're bringing your children today. You're trying to do it right in a culture that's just beyond words. We hear your prayers. We, we listen. And, and my child brought him up in church. And this, my child, my, just be strong. Don't compromise to that. Well, I think I'm this now. Well, that's still sin. But I love you. Amen? You know what I'm talking about. You show the love of God to him, but you don't accept that lifestyle. As for me and my house, Amen. Let's close in prayer. Father, I thank you for this day. And I believe this was an encouraging message, but yet also a, a message of correction, a message of, I got to get this together. There's not many days left here. Even if we're here for another 20 years, it's going to get dark out there. And if we think it's dark now, how much more perverted can they become? Father, you said where sin abounds, grace yet more. That you'll help us in this generation. You'll give us wisdom what to say, what not to say. And when we slip, Lord, we correct it and move on from there. 
but I pray today for fathers and mothers. I pray for single dads and single moms. I pray for those that are fighting an educational system that's corrupt, fighting a government that is corrupt beyond words, fighting even law things, Lord, that are just so lawless. And I pray, Father, that you would help us during this time. I'd rather die for you than just live a few more years to appease them, Father. Help us, Lord. Give us wisdom, Lord. Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus, come. This morning as we wrap up, I ask you to look what in your own heart. Are you serving God? Are you just serving the the dictates of the flesh just doing whatever the flesh says everything is about me no everything is about Jesus what we do for him in this life he has given us the beatitudes attitudes to be in our lives this morning I want to ask you first if you just say you know what I want to do it today I want to get going right today help me pastor pray for me. I want to do that. I want to pray for you. So if that's you today, you want to stretch your hand out towards me, go right ahead. Father, right now in Jesus' name, I pray for myself. I pray for every man, every woman here today that we can wrap this thing up with a dash to the finish line. Bible prophecy is not to scare us. It's to prepare us, to get us ready for what's coming upon this earth, Lord. And I just thank you. I thank you. It won't be your judgment before the tribulation. It'll be sin that'll bring people down. And I just pray that we can discern, that we can stay with common sense and discern from good and evil. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. As we wrap up now, if you have never asked Jesus to come into your heart, to be your Lord, to be your Savior, and you would like to do that today, then I ask you to pray this prayer with me, and we'll all pray it together to help you. Say this with me. Dear God in heaven, I believe today that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross, that he rose on the third day. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I thank you for forgiving me of my sins today and accepting me today into your kingdom. I thank you that I am born again in Jesus' name. Amen. No one looking around. If you're making that decision not to join our church, to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I'd like to give you a little gift before you leave. There's no charge for it, and I will not ask you to stand or come to the front. But we have altar workers around our sanctuary, sanctuary that'll bring this right to you. So if you're receiving Jesus for the very first time, or you're rededicating your life to him, or you're just not sure yet, but you would still like this gift, then with no one looking around, is between you, Almighty God, myself, and one altar worker that'll bring it to you. Would you slip your hand up, let them see it, and they'll come right to you. Don't be afraid. We're not here to embarrass you. We're here to help get you started, just like somebody helped me when I was 17 years old. We want to help you 
today. So that's you. Just slip your hand up. Let them see it. And they'll bring this right to you. All right. Let's close in prayer then. Father, we do thank you for this day. Thank you for this Father's Day, Lord. And I pray today for each and every man, woman, each and every child, Lord. I pray for our children, Lord. My, oh my. What I hear coming out of schools, it's just mind-boggling. Who would have thought this five, ten years ago? Help our children, Lord. Strengthen our children. Give us wisdom on where to send them, what to do, how to help them in this craziness that's going on right now. And I thank you for that. And I thank you that church is an oasis, Lord. And here you have made us the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath, that in all our ways and endeavors that we are and deeply loved, that we are blessed. Go be a blessing this week. God bless. See you Wednesday night online.